they need a release. And you know, there's a lot of ways to do that, and scuba is one of them. You can really recharge your batteries. You can, uh, you can find your peace again by being on a dive trip. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 24, Derek Prosser, Scuba Diving. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville, and today's topic is scuba diving with Derek Prosser. Derek became a scuba diving instructor in Texas way back in 1984. After that, he worked for a few years in Florida as a diving instructor, and now he resides in Colorado where he is the owner-operator of Underwater Fantasies. It's a full-service scuba shop in Lakewood, Colorado. Derek, welcome to the program. Thank you. So, Derek, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your love for scuba diving, and about your uh, involvement with that. Well, I uh, I got involved when I was going to college in Texas uh, back in the 80s. I decided uh, that wasn't working out for me too well. I found myself uh, daydreaming more about the islands than, than thinking about algebra. So I actually dropped out of college, became certified, and then spent the next year working on my training to become an instructor. Um, which I did in 1984, and then I immediately moved to Florida. Um, I was trying to decide where to go once I became an instructor, and I I had heard Florida had warm water and California had cold water, so it didn't seem like a tough choice to me at all. So I moved to Florida and worked there for about five years, uh, teaching, uh, working on the boats um, at a shop called uh, Divers Unlimited in Hollywood, Florida. Um, and then from there, um, you know, a few years in Florida without the seasons, I uh, decided it was time for a change. Had a friend uh, in Colorado, so that's kind of what brought me here. And uh, eventually found a position at uh, Underwater Fantasies in 1992, uh, where I started out part-time teaching and working on the sales floor a little bit. And uh, been here ever since. And about 10 years ago, almost to the day, 10 years ago, April 1st, uh, I bought the store from my previous owner and been here uh, in that position ever since. Wow, how cool is that? I, I think there are a lot of people out there who can uh, relate to the whole, well, college may not be the best choice for me, and man, I'd love to do something I love for a living, and you pulled it off. I, I did, and uh, you know, <laughs> one of the things I like to tell people when they come into the store, they ask me, you know, they have this idea they want to maybe teach scuba, maybe move to the islands, and the first thing I tell them is, Absolutely. You can do it. Uh, because when I talked to my friends about it, they all kind of snickered and said, yeah, whatever. But here I am 30 years later. I've been in the business pretty much ever since. And it's, you know, it's, I haven't gotten rich yet, but I've managed to, uh, you know, have a decent lifestyle and enjoy and love what I do. So I, I love to tell people, if that's what you want to do, you can do it. Um, and, you know, don't let people talk you out of it because there's plenty of places that need scuba instructors. And whether it's scuba or anything else, I guess, the, the, the point's the same. If you want to do it and you pursue it, then you can make it happen. Right on. I think it's so easy to confuse um, an income level with a happy life. And I think that people that find the happy life, they may not need the income level, you know? I mean, what are we all that, here for anyway, That right? is true. <laughs> 
to have fun. So I, I think uh, what's kept me in the business, even though I, uh, I I did drop out for a while and become a stockbroker and realized I could make a whole lot more money that way, but you know, not enjoy myself very much at all. So what's kept me in the business over the years is the fact that. Um, you know, I love the sport, and and it allows me to go and do what I like to do, um, and uh, make a living at that. So, it, it not only that, it also has kind of for me, it has a multifaceted kind of lifestyle in that I can, you know, play business owner one day, I can uh, teach a scuba class the next, uh, you know, do uh, do repairs. I've done. Um, I've done that for years, and then also uh, lead trips. Um, you know, take people to the islands and show them a good time. So, it, it's a fun career to be in, in that it's not a mundane type, type of uh, a job where you're doing the same thing all the time. Um, I know the people that work for me. The big thing is they all get to lead a trip at least once a year down somewhere in the islands, and you know that uh, that always gives them something to look forward to and uh, a, a good uh, good vacation while they're actually still making a a wage on a trip. Right on. That sounds great. I'm just sitting here grinning, just thinking about it. You go, yeah, that I can relate to that. That sounds fantastic. So, why would you encourage people to take up scuba diving as a hobby or a sport? Well, for me, the the biggest thing is, you know, here in Colorado, especially, people want to go somewhere warm on vacation, maybe go see the ocean, hang out on the beach a little bit. That's something you don't get to do here very often. So if that's something that you enjoy doing, the big thing for scuba is it gives you something else to do on a typical beach vacation. I personally couldn't hang out on the beach for eight hours a day. Um, so when I'm on a vacation somewhere like that, usually we spend about four hours of the day. You get up in the morning about 8.30 uh, or so, you meet the boat. Um, you uh, head out on the boat and do what they call a two-tank dive, which means you dive in one spot for one tank, and then you come up and, and move the boat and go somewhere else and do another tank, and then you head back in. And that process is about a four-hour process. So you're usually back about launch time, and uh, then you have the rest of the day to do whatever. If you like hanging on the beach, if you want to you know, sightsee or shop or whatever else the, the location might offer, you, you still have plenty of time to do that, but you're not trying to uh, you know, spend the whole day or the whole vacation hanging out on the beach, uh, um, kind of cooking yourself. So to me, it just gives you one extra fun thing to do on a vacation. Neat. If you couple that with the fact that most Colorado people are kind of outdoorsy people anyway, you know, they like to hike in the mountains, they like to ski, uh, whitewater raft. There's all kinds of fun outdoor things that they do here. So when you go on a vacation, if you're that type of person, again, you don't want to just lay around or, or shop or even sightsee. You want to do something fun and adventurous, and that's what scuba gives them. Um, that's why you know Colorado has a fairly strong, strong scuba market. Is The people here are outdoorsy. They like to do something fun when they go on vacation, and when they go on vacation, they like to go somewhere different, which typically means the ocean. So it's, uh, it's a good combination for Colorado folks. It sounds like it. Um, for people that have never been scuba diving, can you describe the apparatus? I mean, how does scuba work? How do you breathe well, underwater? That's a, that's a good question. First of all, let me tell you what scuba stands for. It stands for self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. And, and it's a pretty simple system. You have a, a jacket that 
holds the tank on your back. So you wear this jacket on the back of uh, the jacket is the tank. Uh, and on the tank, you have a breathing regulator. Um, so there's a valve on the tank. You hook the regulator to You open the valve. And then the regulator that goes in your mouth, the part you breathe off of, is a demand valve. So basically, when you breathe in through your mouth, the regulator uh, starts flowing air. When you stop breathing in, it stops flowing air. So it's it's uh, not a whole lot different than breathing uh, without a breathing apparatus. Just uh, once you start the airflow by breathing in, it feels fairly natural. Um, so it's a it's a simple process. Some people ask me, "Can I scuba dive?" I said, "Well, you know, you you've made it this far breathing, uh, so I think you'll be all right underwater because it's pretty much the same thing." So all we have to do really is is you know put a mask on so your eyes can adjust and so you can see. The regulator takes care of the breathing. And then the whole thing with scuba is um, it's one of the safer sports that you can do. It's on par with bowling, if you can believe it, as far as the accident rate. And the reason is there's very good training programs that have been in place since really they, they started uh, doing a good job with the training programs back in the 70s and tweaked it ever since so that when we get someone in a scuba class, we can make sure by the time that they leave that they're very comfortable with the, with the scuba equipment. They understand the do's and don'ts, um, and you know, they're, we get them in the pool and practice all the hands-on skills. And by the time they hit the ocean, they realize it's really not a tough sport. Almost anyone can do it, um, and it's just a matter of kind of getting used to the equipment and again going over, you know, what to do if something happens um, and that's that's what the scuba class is all about and you teach scuba classes there at your shop is that right yes absolutely so at our store here in lakewood we do everything scuba related the biggest thing that we do is we teach people how to scuba dive we have a pool downstairs we have a classroom and that process uh, believe it or not takes a whole lot less time than people think it's set up on about a 12-hour format um, for class and pool training that's where we uh, teach you all the academics and all the in-water, hands-on scuba skills. And by scuba skills, I mean things like, what do I do if my buddy runs out of air? How do I let him share air off of my tank? Very simple process. You have a second regulator that you hand to him. You link arms and you swim to the surface. It's not a big deal, but it is something that we cover in the pool. And then what do I do if water gets in my mass? Do I have to go all the way to the surface? And the answer is no. You simply blow air out of your nose into the mask and force that water out. So there's very simple solutions to all the, well, what if this happens problem? And that's what we cover in the pool. So in about a 12-hour format, we can get people through the academic part and all the scuba skills in the pool. And then the next step for them is they do four dives with an instructor uh, over a two-day period, typically, and on those four dives, they demonstrate some of the skills that we've shown them in the pool. So by done all four dives, they've essentially demonstrated all the skills that they've learned in what we call an open water environment, which might be the ocean, a lake, a quarry, um, and then at that point, they're scuba certified and they're they're ready to go. So yeah, that's our main job is we get people interested, uh, certified, and then from there we have all their needs whether it be the biggest thing, I guess, for most people once they get scuba certified is they need some equipment. Uh, most people start out with their personal basic equipment, which would be their mask, fins, and snorkels. The next step for most people is they want their own wetsuit. And then from there, um, people will want their own BC jacket and their own regulator. And then there's a little dive computer that's hooked to the regulator that tells them, you know, how long they've been down, how deep they are, how they have and 
how much longer they can stay kind of thing. So, uh, so we certainly sell and service and rent equipment. And then as I talked about a minute ago, the big thing that we do too is we take people on scuba trips. That's what keeps us all happy is we get to take people uh, diving. And we've done trips uh, all over the world. We've done Africa times. We've done the South Pacific. We've done Indonesia. You know, the Caribbean obviously is big for us. And then one of our more popular places uh, is uh, Cozumel. And a lot of Colorado people are familiar with Cozumel from cruises and, and different things. Uh, uh, you know, Frontier runs a direct flight there about half the year. And fortunately for us, Cozumel has some of the best diving in the Caribbean. It's one of the few places that I've actually been back to multiple times. Normally what I like to do is try and find a new and different place to go diving, um, with Cozumel being the, the obvious exception. It's just such good bang for the buck, such an easy flight to get there, and then once you get there, it has some of the best diving in the world. So, you know, those, those are kind of the things that the shop does, training, equipment, trips. We really pride ourselves on um, you know, being a full-service shop for our divers so that anything they need, we can help them with. Well, that sounds fun. Now, let's, let's talk specifically about the experience of scuba diving. Tell us about a time, a typical time, that you had a, just an amazing experience that hooked you on the sport. I know you love it, so what, what got you started? Well, so let me give you a typical experience, and I, I like to go to Cozumel. So one of the things that got me interested in the sport years ago um, was the you know the early space uh, exploration, the Apollo flights, and, and those kind of things. Seeing seeing the astronauts bouncing around on the moon, more or less weightless, was fascinating to me. Well, dropping out of college doesn't look so well to becoming an astronaut, but I can get that same <laughs> sensation scuba diving. When you're scuba diving, one of the things that we teach you in the pool and one of the things that you constantly tweak a little bit is your buoyancy underwater. And on a typical dive, you're going to be what they call neutrally buoyant throughout the course of your dive, which means you're neither floating nor sinking. You're, you're just kind of um, hovering midwater. And so one of the best sensations in the world is down in Cozumel, they have a beautiful reef that ends at a very sheer wall that drops off. It might start at about 60 to 80 feet in some places and drop off to 1,000 feet. So what's really cool is to go off the wall where you're hovering midwater, uh, where you're not sinking down, you're not floating up to the surface, you're just kind of drifting along the wall, looking back at the, the wall itself, but right underneath you it's just open blue water and that sensation is is just phenomenal it's as close to what it would feel like to float around in space as you could possibly get oh that's neat you know i uh did diving a few years back i'd like to do more of it and i've been diving in murky lakes where you're swimming through trees that have stood there for 50 years right i've been diving um in some shallow caves uh, been diving in, in crystal clear rivers with a current that make you feel like you're soaring like an eagle as it pushes yep. you along. And then, of course, I've been diving in the ocean, too, where the the huge diversity of underwater life and, and things, just astounding. But that feeling of flight that you're talking about, I think it's my favorite part. I mean, I love to see the two-thirds of the planet, you know, that we actually right. don't normally see. It's like a whole other world, a whole alien world to us. 
You know, I love to see that, but that feeling of flight is just unique. Yeah, I, I I would have to say that is one of my favorite parts. But the big thing about scuba for me is I have dived all over the world. I've dove or uh, dived, I guess is is the proper way to say it. I have dived off of six of the seven continents. The only thing I haven't done is is dived off of um, um, Antarctica, and that's definitely on my list. So the cool thing about diving is almost anywhere you go, people are diving there. Like you said, whether it be a lake. I did my first 100 dives in Texas in the lakes working on my uh, uh, on my skills to work up towards the instructor level. Um, so it was pretty exciting to me after 100 dives in lakes to, to get to go to the ocean for the first time. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the big thing about scuba is there's all kinds of different types of diving, and you can do it pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, certainly the you know the pinnacle for most people is definitely going to be the ocean and the coral reefs and the abundance of life there and the clarity of water um, but there's countless numbers of divers out there that uh, primarily dive in lakes and rivers and quarries just because you can still get that sensation of of uh, weightlessness, um, even if you don't have a whole lot to see. You know, and you're always going to have uh, an experience that you don't get walking around on the land. So. Right, right. i tell you something that's uh, kind of interesting, too. After becoming a scuba diver and then uh, starting to learn the fishes and the corals and, and those kind of things, all the different creatures under there, if you watch uh, some of the old Star Trek series, um, it's amazing some of the creatures that they came up with had to have been scuba divers. They had to have seen them underwater because they're just. Uh, you can find uh, the the uh, the the creature that they used as their template under underwater quite often. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Fun stuff. Please share with us a story when things didn't go as planned. The reason we we always ask this question is for one, it makes for an exciting story, but for two, um, you have the opportunity to give people a word of advice that could save a life someday. Sure. So, sure. Well, I tell you, uh, so having uh, done most of my diving in Texas, I was uh, I had done one trip, a little, a little boat trip to the Sea of Cortez from um, where I was going to college in Lubbock, Texas, and did maybe I don't know, probably did fifteen dives or so that week. Uh, but other than that, I've been all the way up through instructor level um, and did all of my diving in the lakes in Texas. Well, once I got my instructor. I, as I said earlier, decided I'm going to go to Florida and, and teach in the warm water. That was always the goal. So I went to Florida. I, uh, I got hired on, and, you know, the guy said, hey, you know, the boat's going out this weekend. If you want to go out and get a dive in, you know, feel free to join us. You can see how the boat runs and do a fun dive. I said, great. So I do the dive, and it's on a wreck uh, that's still there today. It's called the Mercedes. It's a phenomenal wreck. It's been down for 30 years now. It's got tons of growth, and it's a neat site. At the time, it was brand new. Uh, it had been down in maybe, uh, I don't know, a few months. I uh, finished the dive. I came back up, and, I, and uh, the way we dove the wreck at the time is we didn't want to damage it, so we would swim the anchor down and anchor on without dropping it. And then at the end of the dive, we would pull the anchor and uh, kind of swim it up as the people on the boat were pulling the rope up. Now, you might be thinking that that seems like an awkward way to do that, but that's what we were trying to do so we didn't drop the anchor on the boat and damage the corals or hit other divers from other boats that might be down there. So I hadn't been there very long at all and and, uh, hadn't done but a few ocean dives. And at the end of the dive, the dive master who was actually running the boat was too low on air to do that. 
So they sent me back down. So I go down, I grab the anchor, and I'm swimming it off of the ship. Once I unhook it, the boat starts drift, and the people on the boat are pulling up the rope, and I'm swimming the anchor away from the ship. But as I'm swimming away, I'm kind of fairly close to the bottom, and I'm seeing weight belts that people had dropped over time. So I'm grabbing them, and I'm putting them on the anchor, and I'm swimming along, and I'm thinking, you know, any minute they're going to start picking up the slack and helping me swim up with this thing um, because it's getting heavier by the, the second as I'm adding weight. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man. But the boat's drifting, and there there's a lot of line out, and they're probably pulling. I don't really know, but all I know is there's no slack coming up, and I'm still swimming trying to hold this thing. I'm in my jacket to help keep me up. And then I realized that all of a sudden I'm out of air. I've been down there. This is now the, the, the second time down on the same tank. It's supposed to have been just a minute or two, but it's turning into several minutes, and now I'm out of air, and I'm carrying all this weight, and I'm not getting any help from up top. And, and that's probably the only time underwater that I can remember a little sensation of panic. Um, and, you know, fortunately the solution was simple. Uh, I dropped the weight belts, released the, the anchor in that we were, you know, far away from their divers and the, the ship itself, and just uh, made a nice slow ascent and everything was fine. But uh, you're trying to accomplish what I wanted to do, which was swim up further carrying the weights so that we wouldn't lose it, um, was not working. And had I stuck with that plan, it might have gotten ugly. But, you know, just uh, the, just it's a better part of hour there. So I just simply uh, boarded the weight belts and uh, came on up. But that's about the, quite frankly, in 30 years of diving, that's probably the hairiest situation I've ever been in because for the most part, Diving is very simple, very safe. It's when you start thinking of, you know, trying to do something out of the norm, like take a bunch of weight off the bottom up to the top where you get yourself into scarier situations. The Kindness Diaries, the new book by Leon Logothetis, the global adventurer motivational speaker and philanthropist, is now available. The Kindness Diaries chronicles Leon's travel around the globe fueled only on the kindness of others. Visit www.leonlogothetis.com to learn more about Leon's adventures and look for The Kindness Diaries anywhere books are sold. Hey all you mountain biking enthusiasts out there, come be a part of the 2015 CycleFest Colorado on May 16th. The Cycle Fest is a day of festivities supporting the Colorado High School Cycling League. All of the proceeds go to support cross-country mountain biking in Colorado and Wyoming. Special guest Sonia Looney will be there leading an afternoon ride for students and also speaking as a special guest at dinner that night. The dinner is at the American Mountaineering Center in Golden, Colorado, once again, May 16th. You can buy tickets at www.coloradomtb.org. That is Colorado, M as in mountain, T as in trail, B as in bike.org. Come be a part of the fun. The main rules of diving for safety are don't hold your breath, number one. Don't go right. too deep and don't stay down too long. Right. That's it. And, and yep, that's pretty much it. A little common sense goes a long ways. And well, uh, The crazy thing is when you run out of air down there, then you want to hold your breath. That's human instinct. Right. 
But it doesn't take long in, in the pool to teach people not to do that. You know, we teach them to take the regulator out of their mouth and put it back in. And every time we do, we make sure that they're blowing bubbles out their mouth, even when the regulator's not in. So they're not holding their They may not be breathing in, but they're not holding their breath. And it, it, it becomes second nature fairly quickly that if for some reason you are without air, whether you've taken your regulator out, uh, or if you happen to run out of air, it becomes second nature to simply exhale gently as you do your ascent. Um, and the residual air that's in your lungs as you're going up is expanding, and that's why we don't hold our breath. As it expands, if we're either exhaling or breathing normally, the expanding air is breathed off. If you hold your breath, that's when you can have a problem with it doing damage to your lung tissue uh, as it expands. So it's a pretty... Uh, easy skill to learn and it's reinforced over and over in the pool um, and for most people their entire diving career they'll never find a, an occasion really to, to do anything to, but leave the regulator in their mouth and breathe normally so it's the, the, the most dangerous potential problem in scuba is probably the easiest to avoid and that's as you said by simply uh, not holding your breath. Hey could you give us a quick survey of advanced diving um, people have heard of cave diving and deep diving sure. around deeper wrecks and that sort of thing. So what what's that sport about? Well, so scuba has, just like people that might hike in the mountains, some might want to go and bird watch, some might look at flowers, some might want to get as remote as they possibly can where they don't see other people. Uh, you know, Some might want a simple little easy trail around red rocks, and some might want to do ice climbing uh, in the winter. It's all still outdoor hiking kind of stuff, and scuba is very much like that. You can have a dive where you're in 30 feet of water, and it's clear uh, water, sandy bottom, patchy coral with fishes swimming around, and it's like a leisurely little walk in the park. Or you can do more adventurous type diving. I've done, uh, most recently I was in the Galapagos Islands, diving uh, with uh, hammerheads and whale sharks and mantas, and the reason that all those big animals were there is because it was on a small island where there was a prevalent current um, that you know kept the kept the bigger animals there to to feed and and so it's a little bit more of a strenuous dive when you're in uh, heavier currents like that. It's a little bit cooler water, but the reason for doing that was there's cool big animals to see there. So diving has something to offer for a lot of people. Wrecks are huge for some people. They like to uh, they, they like the history of the wrecks or uh, in Florida the wreck I was talking about was put down specifically to allow uh, the reef to grow. So Florida is huge for an artificial reef program. They have lots of wrecks sunk there that help, uh, you know, essentially creates a new site for the, the corals to grow and, and creates a new reef. So even within that type of diving, wreck diving itself, you've got World War II wrecks where people are trying to figure out what kind of, uh, uh, you know, what ship that was and what its part in World War II was and how it sunk and those kind of things. Or, you know, more of a benign wreck that was intentionally sunk uh, opened up to be safer for divers and uh, put down specifically to, to regenerate the, the reef system. There's all kinds of diving. I've got an instructor that works for me that uh, uh, actually is an underwater archaeologist, and she spent quite a bit of time down in uh, St. Martin, I believe it was, and no, St. Eustatia, uh, where she worked on a wreck down there, uh, doing an archaeological dig, essentially, 
uh, on this historical wreck. So there's there's a lot of types of diving, and because of that, there's a lot of different uh, dive programs. We don't just teach people how to dive. We teach everything from actually we start out at snorkeling uh, all the way up through instructor level. Um, so the steps kind of work like this: as a, if you want to go diving, you want to learn what you need to know to be safe, to have fun with your buddy. Go see the reefs so you can rent equipment, get on dive boats. You do what's called the open water certification, and that's step one. That allows you to get a card so you can go diving. But if you want to get more experience, uh, the next step is the advanced level. So the differences between the two, the open water course or the beginning course is designed to teach you the nuts and bolts of diving how to clear the water out of your mask, how to help your buddy if they run out of air, how to stay together with your buddy and dive as a buddy team. But the advanced course is now takes that diver and introduces them to different types of diving. So in the typical advanced course we do, you're going to do a deep dive. And there's a few considerations if you're going a little bit deeper that you want to think about. So we go over those in the course and we practice them on a dive. Then there's navigating underwater. Um, as you become a little bit more advanced diver, it's kind of nice to be able to navigate on your own and not have to follow a dive master around on a dive all the time. Um, then there's night diving. There's a few things that uh, you need to know about light etiquette and the marine life and a few different things. So the advanced program is designed to take a diver and broaden their base of knowledge on the types of diving that are out there. Um, so that's, you know, it, it's two nights with you're in the class in the pool and then five dives um, where we're, where the dive is the focus, not the skills within the dive. Um, you know, it's the night dive, the deep dive, the navigation dive. Uh, different locations offer different things. If you're going with us to the islands on a trip, we might do a wreck dive on your advanced course. Or we might do a reef identification or fish identification dive as one of your five advanced dives. So that's that's the next step for most people is just to give them some more uh, experience. It's designed to cut the learning curve down uh, and accelerate it a little bit for them on uh, different types of diving and make them a little bit better diver. Then the next step is rescue diver. So rescue diver, the idea is that program is designed to kind of broaden their awareness of what's going on with them and their diving, with their buddy, and with other divers that might be on the dive boat with them to hopefully see where someone is uh, maybe a little anxious or a little bit distracted where that could lead to a problem if someone didn't maybe give them a little bit of a helping hand. So it tunes you into what's going on around you and what some of the signs and symptoms of people who are maybe not feeling comfortable, maybe due to, uh, uh, maybe they just haven't been diving for a number of years and all of a sudden they're finding themselves back on the boat realizing, oh, crumbs, I maybe should have went in the pool first to brush back up kind of thing. So a rescue diver is someone who's now able to see what's going on around them, maybe head off problems, maybe give some somebody some encouragement or some direction, uh, or maybe uh, to keep an eye on someone uh, on the dive to make sure that they are, you know, getting back in the saddle, so to speak, without any trouble. But if something does happen where there is some kind of an in-water emergency, this a rescue diver is trained to handle that, and that might be something as minor cramps or 
little bit of uh, anxiety or panic, uh, up to a full-blown emergency where someone's unconscious underwater. A rescue diver is trained how to bring that person back to the surface, activate the EMS system, get that person out of the water as quickly as possible, and, and perform any necessary uh, CPR or first aid. So in my opinion, most divers within the first few years of, of their diving career really should kind of work towards getting to that rescue level. If you can imagine every diver, at least you know half the divers on your boat, let's say, were rescue divers, that's a pretty competent uh, group of divers. Uh, so the incident rate dramatically drops off. So oh, I think yeah. it's a good goal for people to get their advance, get a little experience diving, and get their rescue to get a little experience in the um, you know what potential problems could arise and how to solve those. From there, there's a lot of different avenues. You can go on towards the professional level, which would be a dive master, and then on up to an instructor where you can uh, start teaching these programs. But a lot of people, if they don't want to... They don't want to teach or work with instructors teaching. The dive master or the instructor level might not be good for them, but there's what they call specialty programs where if you have an interest in um, uh, ice diving, for example. We do ice diving every couple of years here. It always kind of amazes me how many people we get that want to go chop a hole in the ice and dive, but they do, and there's a, a program that we can run for them that allows them to safely get under the ice in a lake here in Colorado and see what it's like. Um, yeah. And by contrast, uh, uh, one of the more popular ones, I guess, that we have is um, is going to be the photography class where people going on vacation want to take better photos of what they're seeing so that they can you know, put something up on the wall and, and fill out their photo album or these days maybe fill out their, their uh, computer hard drive and have them on their computer at work. But, you know, so there's all kinds of different types, especially programs where you can find what interests you and learn more about it and and how better to enjoy that aspect of diving. What I hear you saying is that you can get certified in just a few days, um, but well, there's, there's a lifelong pursuit there. Lifelong, lifelong, yeah, absolutely. You can continue to, to learn and, and do more stuff, and it evolves, too. I was an instructor for years, um, and... So I left Florida, went to Alaska for about a year. And I remember walking along up there, uh, uh, fishing on the bank, seeing the kelp forest and otters playing in the water, and the water's fairly clear. And I'm thinking it'd be kind of fun to dive there, but it sure looks cold. So I never did. Well, I find myself in Colorado later that year, and, and I, I start teaching here locally. Uh, so one of the first things I did is I uh, took a dry suit course, and I learned how to dive in a dry suit. It's a little different than a wetsuit. A wetsuit, um, essentially the difference is the dry suit's going to have air in it to help insulate you, and that air affects your buoyancy, and you've got to learn how to, to deal with that a little bit. So, you know, I had been in, in the business for a number of years, had uh, been an instructor, uh, taught a lot of people, done a lot of diving, but had never done really any cold water diving. And so uh, when I moved to Colorado, that was uh, natural for me to do the dry suit um, and then uh, since then, I've done dives off of uh, British Columbia. I've done uh, Norway with the orca whales. I've done a lot of cold water diving since then. And, um, you know, I hope to do some more. Done the, I've done the ice myself. So, yeah, even as a, as a fairly seasoned instructor, there was uh, still something new for me to learn just because I was in a new environment. 
you can almost always find something you've never seen before when you go on a dive. Yeah, that is true. Um, and I dive, you know, I've been leading trips since I first started working here. And I, I, led, I didn't lead trips exactly, but I was uh, working on the boats in Florida taking people down. But when I say lead a trip, I mean I've taken groups all over the world to dive, and I, I, I've been doing that for a number of years, and it still amazes me with uh, not only myself but some very seasoned divers that tend to go with me quite often. Uh, we're always coming up saying, holy cow, I've never seen that before, and uh, that's a pretty cool thing. And, and it's not really, if you think about it, that unusual or um, maybe unexpected. The ocean is huge, and there's just it's teeming with life. So the more you the more you dive and the more you get used to seeing certain things and you can then kind of focus on the next level of things there's there's never a dive that I couldn't find something I hadn't seen before I mean, it doesn't matter how many times you've been diving there's something that you if you pay attention uh, that you hadn't seen before very cool well Derek um you've told us an awful lot about diving it's been a really great introduction to what the possibilities are and how the sport is done and that sort of thing. Tell us a little bit specifically about how people can get in touch with you at your business there. And, you know, I wanted to make a, a point. People come to Colorado to ski, to hike, to camp, to climb mountains. Scuba diving may not be on their radar, but why not? When they're here, they could get certified through your program and, uh, you know, make that part of their trip here too. Absolutely. Well, so first of all, um, they can find us on the web, as you might imagine. We're uh, uh, com. We spell our name a little funny. It's P-H-A-N-T-A-S-E-A-S. So it's Underwater Fantasies with a P-H on the front end and a S-E-A-S on the back end. So that's one way. You can call us at 303-988-6725. Or stop by and see us. We're in Lakewood on Union Boulevard, just off of Sixth Avenue, um, and we we've got a pretty good class special right now for people that want to get involved with scuba. We've got a really good deal that'll save them a couple hundred dollars off the normal pricing. And then for anybody that's listening, uh, we did want to offer a discount for anybody that came in the store and said they heard this uh, podcast. We'd offer them ten percent off of anything in the store they wanted to pick up. So if they say we heard about you on the Adventure Sports podcast, boom, ten percent. Boom. Just like that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you for that. Well, our last question, Derek, is how do you feel that scuba diving as a sport benefits individuals or even society as a whole? You can't go through life just working and dealing with a day-to-day drudgery if you don't have something to look forward to. Uh, the same thing that's kept me in the business is what keeps people going through the course of the year as far as you know, doing their day-to-day job. Uh, they need a release. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to do that, and scuba is one of them. You can really recharge your batteries. You can uh, you can find your peace again by being on a dive trip. I mean, to, to go underwater for a couple hours a day for a week and just relax and float along and, you know, take in the scenery and the fish and, and everything, personally, I think it's what's kept me sane for the last 30 years. I mean, uh, life can get tough. Scuba can make it better. I like it. Derek, thank you very much for your time. And to our listeners out there, this has been another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. And until next time, get out there and have some fun. Hi, 
Hi, friends. Help us get the word out about the Adventure Sports Podcast. Please tell all of your friends who love adventures, and also go to iTunes. Give us a rating there and leave a review. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks.